straight from WCHL Studios in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, 97.9, The Hill presents the sibling rivalry sports show starring Chris and C.L. Brown. Today's guest, NBA shoot-around with Mark J. Spears of ESPN's The Undefeated. Also, the fellas talk Thursday night football and player safety. Yeah, right before you watch the game. Where else are you going to hear the real real like this? Forget about it. It's sibling rivalry sports. We're brothers. We're happy and we're singing and we're color. Give me a high five. Nah, B. This here is a brown five joint of a Roots Academy production in association with SRJ Productions, supported by Cookies, Tennis Lessons at Kimberly, and Free Movies at Thuway. Starring C.L. Brown, senior college basketball writer of TheAthletic.com, and Chris Brown, host of Thunder Sports Network, currently airing on Juice TV. Check your local DirecTV listings. But I digress. It's time to get live and get down on sibling rivalry sports. CL with the singing voice. <laughs> I don't think half of the people listening have ever heard of that Wayne and Brothers, uh, their show from, I don't even remember what network that was on, man. Uh, it's that like the CW, I think. CW. Yeah. <laughs> it was a minute ago. <laughs> Folks, I had to pull teeth to get him to, you know, he. that's not what CL loves to do, but he did a great job. Don't, don't you think he did a great job? When I heard that, I was, wow, when I heard that voice. <laughs> we got to sing some more, CL. No, we don't. We got to do a whole show singing. Well, okay, maybe not. All right, so it is time for the big playback. Today's topic on the big playback, you know, we hit topics every week and we just really go for it for a good segment on these topics. Today, we are talking about preseason polls, preseason polls. Are they worth the silicon they're published on? CL, what say you? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, next segment. Here we go. I mean, it's it's. I think it matters a little bit more in football than it does in basketball because ultimately basketball, you you basically you have more of an opportunity to play yourself into the tournament. Um, football is is a little bit different in that regards, especially if you're outside of a Power Five conference, because you know Central Florida. The argument is being made. They went undefeated last year. They're mm-hmm. still on the outside looking in. Yes, they're undefeated this year. Yeah, and mm-hmm. can again be could again be on the outside looking in when it when it comes to actually making the playoffs. And some of that is because of those rankings. I feel like really in the preseason. Yes, because they're starting from so far back. It's it's not like they're being looked at as a team. That it's like it's like they're not being respected. To be true, honest, true. you know, if if they had any other name, if they were Georgia, if they were LSU or whatever, if they had any other name, then they would have been in that that championship in the college football playoffs last year, but and they would be in the top four right now. So, yeah, but now we go to opponents now. Like, if they're Georgia, they wouldn't have been playing, you know, uh, what, FAU? I'm saying if they're, if, but, no, but the the thing is, these teams, those teams in the SEC and, and Power Five conferences, they get the benefit of doubt. 
UCF doesn't get a benefit of doubt going to the schedule part. But just sticking to the to the preseason rankings, I mean, I I think we have the same teams like every year. You you know, regardless of of uh, you know results mm-hmm. necessarily, it's mm-hmm. it's just based on projections. It's based mm-hmm. on what people feel like the recruiting class came in as. Same thing in basketball. That's why Kentucky is in the top ten every year, top mm-hmm. five most years. Mm-hmm. I look I look specifically at Kentucky because I think they're kind of the, the litmus test in basketball. Mm-hmm. And out of the last six seasons, three seasons, Kentucky was ranked top five. Three of those seasons, six seasons they were ranked top five, I'm sorry, in the yes. preseason. Three of those seasons they finished the year not ranked including wow. last season when they were preseason top five and ended up not ranked. And a lot of that has to do with they get the the splashy, they sign the big freshman yes. recruiting yeah. class, and everybody's yeah. talking about how great these kids are going to be in and this and that. And it's Kentucky. I mean, part of Blue it is blood. they have kind of earned sure. <laughs> through their play throughout history. They've yeah. earned the right to be, to, to be discussed, and they are blue blood for sure. But – I mean, let's do this on results. And the, the way that it's starting off now, it seems like Kentucky is going to be another. This is going to be another one of those years where they underperform what their preseason. Their preseason number two. Right. They come out and get blasted by Duke Destroyed. in the first game. Yeah. Losing by thirty-four. Mm-hmm. They struggled at home against Southern Illinois. Yes. Uh, ended up winning by seven, I think it was. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I mean. Why can't what's what's why can't we wait a couple of weeks just to see see actual results and then say hey this team has played well they should be number 1 number 2 number 3 this team who might be a perennial blue blood program but they haven't played well so we're not going to rank them that high I mean, that's a great idea to me. You know, it's sort of like what the CFP, the college football playoff system ranking, does, except they're still, of course, using the polls that have already been going. But they do wait a while. And I'll tell you one better. Kentucky was number one preseason. I'm going AP. Preseason number one. Some of your peers that vote on the poll, they didn't get the memo from you saying, you know, in, in years past that blue blood schools have not necessarily been the dominant force. Uh, you know, you're saying this year that there's kind of a return. Of course, that was until Kentucky got destroyed by Duke. But yeah, pre- they were number one 2013, 2014. Then 15, UNC was number one. And you now UNC. Uh, that that 2015, 2016, Carolina was number one. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm starting from the the initial part of the season, and then Duke 2016, 17 was was preseason number one, and then this year uh, 2017, Duke was preseason number one. So, uh, out of those, how many actually won the national championship that year? Just just go narrowing it down to those. Well, shoot, that's harder to predict. I can understand the preseason number one not actually winning a national title. Cause year after year after year after year. After that's year. a hard thing to do, man. For a pool of people, we can't sit here right now and predict who the national title. You're exactly is right. Be. That's why we're talking about this. You know, um, but uh, but I think if you look at Duke over the last five years when they've been preseason top five in all five of those years, and and again we're talking AP poll. Um, they finished in the top ten all five of those years. Okay. Except no, no, no. I'm sorry. With the exception of 2015-2016, they finished 19. 
but they were five, seven, four, and eight uh, in four of those years. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the accurate prediction that that a team. Uh, I'm going backwards from <laughs> from last season okay, backwards. Gotcha, gotcha, Sorry, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. but um, that's a good indication that you got it. You got it right. Like that's a that's a top notch team if they're going to stay within that realm for for the you know for the whole season. Right, but, right, right. You know, I mean, we're we're seeing so far this year. I thought Buffalo. I didn't. I don't have an AP vote this year, but I thought Buffalo, based on what they did last year, but mm-hmm. based on what they had coming back, mm-hmm. was a top twenty-five team. Mm-hmm. But since it's Buffalo that had never been ranked before in the mm-hmm. top twenty-five, doesn't have a lot of history, yeah. doesn't play in a power conference, mm-hmm. they didn't get voted in until mm-hmm. they went. To uh, Morgantown, West Virginia, knocked off what was preseason number thirteen, West Virginia. Mm-hmm. C.J. Massenberg had forty-three, I think it was. He's a great player that you know the the average fan doesn't know about. But um, uh, now Buffalo is ranked number twenty-five. West Virginia is out of the poll. You know, I mean, yeah. just wait for the results. Right. No, it makes sense. Listen, I got something else that I dug up that I really like, and it is the AP. Pro 32. You know about this, right? Yeah. That's very interesting. It's a poll that AP does on the NFL, which has existed since 2012. Now, I, I did my research on those, and they, uh, they, they're they way off on some of the top teams with regards to who makes it to the Super Bowl. For instance, let's just go the last three years. Uh, you know, um, Philadelphia, the champ, was they were 17, so the lower half of the league. Atlanta, NFC champ for 2016, 19. Carolina, 2015, 16. So, so I, I think in football, especially in football, people are prone to just carry over whoever the last champs were and the last participants and say, oh, it's going to happen again. They don't even seem to realize they're doing it. It's like it, it's not the same thing every single year, people. There's always some kind of turnover, some team that rises up. Why do we do this so much? Habit and in defense of some, some voters, from the year I have voted uh, on AP, it's like – it's a lot to consume, and so some voters don't put the time in, okay. don't have the time mm-hmm. to try and figure out everything. That's why kind of by, by a, uh involuntary reflex, you're going to have Carolina, Duke, Kansas, Kentucky. You know, you're going to have the Blue Bloods. You're going to have kind of the same old teams are, are going to be repeated. Mm-hmm. You give them the benefit of doubt. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but on the other side, we're going to have Mark Spears, the NBA writer for The Undefeated, coming to talk a little bit of uh, LeBron and the best teams in the NBA. Stay tuned, folks. Welcome back to the Sibling Rivalry Show on 97.9 The Hill. We're going to welcome in NBA writer extraordinaire Mark Spears with ESPN's The Undefeated coming in from the West Coast. Mark, how are you doing today? Man, I, I want to know who you can beat up who when you got a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, Chris, like no. if, if you guys did a win-loss record, 
who would be the winner? Well, you know, as the title of your show, I think I would fall in line with the undefeated. I don't know about undefeated, <laughs> but I mean, he was supposed he's, he's three years older than me, man. He's supposed to get the better of me. Ask him who who would win now, though. <laughs> If he keeps talking, Mark, you can come and see who's going to win. Hey, he might make this a FaceTime fight. <laughs> no, there are too many of those. <laughs> exactly. World star. Hey, but um, <laughs> speaking of kind of some, some turbulence, uh, the end of the, the Warriors game with the Clippers the other night, we, we saw Draymond Green um, keep the ball when Kevin Durant was calling for it at the end of regulation. Draymond ends up kind of dribbling off his leg. They don't get a shot off, goes into overtime. And on the bench, it seemed to just kind of be some some snickering back and forth between KD and Draymond. It, it, I mean, we we might be nitpicking with this, but, you know, because the Warriors seem so perfect in, in every other way with, with how they deal with things and with their results on the court. But is there any trouble in paradise? Could the dynamics between Draymond and KD, could that lead to something bigger? Nah, they cool, man. It, it, it's kind of like your sibling rivalry, you know what I mean? And with Draymond, he always keeps it 100% honest and... Mm-hmm. Durant the same way, so it, it was interesting. I was having a um, conversation yesterday with Doug Christie, and he said, you know, when he and Bobby Jackson were teammates, if Bobby was playing terrible, terrible, he'd straight up say, man, you, you suck right now. Like, he wouldn't mince words with it, you know what I mean? Yeah. He said that's the kind of relationship he had. He said he couldn't do that with everybody. But he could do that with Bobby Jackson, and I think those two guys have the same kind of relationship, where you know they could be honest with each other. And uh, look, they were in the heat of the moment. Um, certainly, were happy with the direction of where things were going, and they they've had a tough time without Stephen Curry uh, in the past. Um, he just brings, obviously, an elite dynamic that makes it easier for everybody else. I'm sure there's some frustration thinking that they shouldn't even be struggling with the with the Clippers, but the Clippers are better than most people think. So, no, nah, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't put too much into that. I think it was probably a heated moment thing. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask, too, you were in Sacramento for their game, and, I mean, I'm surprised to see them kind of have this rise so far in this season the, the way that they have, especially relying on so many young young uh, players, uh, including Justin Jackson, who uh, came out of North Carolina in 2017. So what would you attribute kind of this this fast start for them? And, and do you feel like it's sustainable? Like, do you feel like the culture has changed in Sacramento to where we're going to see them, you know, become one of those teams we're talking about? Well, I think they got a huge, huge compliment yesterday from Greg Popovich. He said that Basically, the culture was changing, and they're going in the right direction. Um, for Popovich to say that about them is huge, um, and and I think they are. They finally uh, have stabilized with Brandon Williams uh, as assistant GM and Vlade Divac running the show. They got a lot of young players who are starting to pay dividends. Am I surprised to start? Yes, yeah, definitely surprised. I, I saw him in a preseason game. Go down forty-five to ten. <laughs> so I sounds mean, like I, Kentucky I, I, I didn't see that. Yeah, um, but they, the Aaron Fox, 
is showing why he was drafted so high and why some people thought that he should have been the first point guard taken in last year's draft. He's been fantastic. He's pushed the pace. The Kings have a faster pace than any team in the league. Uh, mm-hmm. Willie Cauley-Stein has um, – it's a contract year for him, and he's playing like it. Mm-hmm. Um, getting big points that I'm surprised he's getting. Um, getting big rebounding numbers. He's playing in a, in a way that I mean, he may force the Kings and give him max money. Um, and then everybody else is just playing their role. Bagley, as you guys are certainly probably curious about, he probably should be getting more minutes. They're bringing him along slowly, which I'm not really understanding because when he does get in, he's doing work. But um, let's see how they do on this road trip and how they survive that. But the fact that they got eight wins right now yeah. is, is stunning because I – I'm guessing most people in Sacramento probably didn't think they get their eighth win to like late January. <laughs> uh, one other uh, player I wanted to mention on their roster, Harry Giles, who's from Winston-Salem, played at Duke, uh, you know, has, has this injury-riddled past. Um, so you, you mentioned them bringing Bagley along slowly. Where, where do you feel like Giles is right now kind of in that process? Um, well, they sent him to the G League on Sunday and he, you know, kind of gets some, some of the rust out and he played well. Um, but then brought him back last night and he, he, uh, had a good showing in a reserve role. I'm rooting for this kid, man. We had a chance to sit down with him. Phenomenal, phenomenal kid. Went through a lot to, to be on top of the world and fall and crash to the bottom and then still have a smile on your face and still to be fighting and, to have a competitive spirit uh, I, I, I've grown to really really respect him and so I, I think he's going to be fine the Kings are still probably got a minutes restriction on him I mean basically he said this summer when I talked to him if he could have done it over he wouldn't have played at Duke oh wow he would have sat out the whole season um, and he just he just said that you know he kind of got caught up in the whole glamour of playing for Duke and wanting to do that when he should have probably been resting his body and not playing at all. Um, which is what the Kings did for him. He and and let me tell you, he wasn't blaming Duke. He was blaming yeah. himself. Yeah. Um but he he really felt like this past year has got him healthy and, and ready to go. Nice. Nice. All right. So Mark, another another are they for real question. The Milwaukee Bucks a week ago they beat the Warriors by 23, put 134 on them. Uh, what do you think about this team? Uh, are they are they going to be around continuously? I, I think that they are uh, a very scary team. They've been disappointing in the postseason, but perhaps they're ready to make a step. If Giannis was able to get a three-pointer, man, he, he'd be the scariest player in the league. Hmm. Um and now you're getting a crowded uh, Eastern Conference where I saw Toronto recently, and they were great. And, I, and I, you know, Philly's going to be great now. Mm-hmm. Um, don't sleep on the Indiana Pacers. You know, um, Boston, they'll get better. It, it's it's going to be a battle royal in the East now. Um, 
is Milwaukee that team? We'll, we'll see, but it's not it's not easy running in the Eastern Conference anymore. They got five elite teams now, and uh, if Washington could ever figure it out, maybe they could be in that conversation. But they got a lot to figure out. You mentioned in the East, that's a good segue because I, I saw you on the jump Monday, and you said at the end of that show that the top five in the East could hang with the top five in the West, or, or there. Well, actually, you can tell us exactly what you said. But my question is. Has the pendulum finally swung back? We've we've been talking about the West. We've been talking about like reseeding the playoffs, basically uh, reinventing the way they do the playoffs because the West has been so loaded and the East has been so terrible over the last you know I don't know decade or so. Like it's it's been pretty pretty porous in the East. Has the pendulum finally swung back now? Are, are we going to have more of a balanced league? Yeah, and and I've never liked that idea. Maybe I'm a you know, a historian or whatever, but I, I just think it always ends up working itself out. I remember when the East was really strong in the in the what nineties, you know, or in the eighties, and the West wasn't as strong. So, no, nah, I, I never liked that radical format. Just leave it alone; it'll work itself out. Because um, it, the the West right now it, it's going to get better. <laughs> it's going to get better it's, it's had a slow start Houston's had its lumps OKC had its lumps early because Russell Westbrook was out um, Utah is going to be better so I, I think the West top five is improving but today the way it looks today yes I think the East top five is better we're talking with Mark Spears the undefeated NBA writer you can follow him on Twitter at Mark with a C, M A R C J Spears, E S P N. Mark, I wanted to ask you, you 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 came up in the NBA uh as the Denver Nuggets beat writer. Cut your teeth doing that, and a young Carmelo Anthony came to that roster when you were out there. He's on the tail end of his career now, kind of a, a fading superstar, and we're seeing him basically being held out of games in Houston. Where 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 do you see him kind of landing? Like what where do, where can he find a place, given that he's he's one of these superstars that I think I kind of parallel it to Allen Iverson near the end of his career. Like, he's not going to accept just any role, right? I mean, he, he still wants to be in his mind. I think he still feels like he's a superstar that should demand the ball, right? Yeah, well, I, I was um, talking to Dominique Wilkins yesterday for a story for Undefeated, and he says, you know what? I feel like I could still get buckets. You know, he, ain't played, he hasn't played in 20 years. And that's just the mentality of guys that are a scorer like that. It's just really, really hard to go from being the man to being one of the guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. I kind of like that. Um, but he, you know, I, I remember being around Iverson in his short stint with the Grizzlies and how frustrated he was. He didn't practice with the Grizzlies in training camp. He he missed all the preseason games. And then he was regularly when ready when the regular season started and didn't start and Conley started. And he like cursed out the coach and and Conley after the game to it. Alright? And I asked him like, Alan, like why why is all this necessary when you didn't even 
playing training camp? And his answer was, man, you know, what am I, what's my family going to think? What, what, is, what are my fans going to think? Mm-hmm. You know, and so I wonder if a lot of it is just, one, you're used to being the superstar, you're used to being the man. And two, just you kind of feel embarrassed because you're not that same guy anymore. It, it's a really tough go to swallow. It was weird seeing Paul Pierce sitting at the end of a bench. And I'm guessing Dan Tony probably told Melo that he had some DMPs on the way, possibly. Oh, wow. Or some five or ten minute games, possibly. You know what I mean? Which yeah. Melo was like, look, I, I'll do my role, but, and I'm not put words in his mouth, but I, I know he. He ain't about to get no DMP, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Or, or no 10-minute games, you know what I mean? So um, and perhaps he could go to Miami. I do think somebody's going to give him another shot. Um, I'm kind of disappointed that the Rockets gave up on it so quick. Mm-hmm. Like, they knew that D'Antoni and Melo struggled in the past together. So, so why, even, why, why even do that experiment if you – weren't certain what you thought it could be long term you know what I mean yeah. I think it's really really quick to give it up a lot of people think that they're using Mellow as a scapegoat I kind of agree with that um, but it's um, it, it's a really tough situation for him but ultimately you know maybe Carmelo can talk to Dwayne Wade about what it's like because Dwayne Wade's done a good job of figuring out how to be a role player but still have a prominent place on the team. Yeah. One thing I, I just thought about too to ask you about was the 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 CBA and and in regards to the one and done rule. The the rule that that is basically led to uh, a lot of kids coming out of high school who would otherwise have just go straight to the league. Uh, they've had to uh, take a detour and make a stop at, at in college. Well, not ha- they had to make a stop in college, but most of them choose to play a year of college before they go into the league. Is there? Do you see? Is there any chance that that the uh, players' association and the league will uh, will change that rule before? The the CBA actually comes up. I think it, is it twenty twenty two when it when it when it officially ends. I, I think it's possible, but I definitely feel like they'll change it for sure the next time around. Um, you know, ultimately players aren't rushing for those guys to come in because it takes jobs from them. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm them, I'm waiting for twenty twenty. They ain't gonna take my job away now, especially if I'm at the end of my career. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, no, I think it's, uh, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see that change in a couple of years, although there's a lot of steam for people to do it immediately. Yeah. All right, so, Mark, I got to throw in a question for the, the hometown folks here uh, in Chapel Hill who are always interested in anything Michael Jordan. I would love to get your opinion on Michael Jordan as an owner, just any kind of thoughts, impressions that you have. Um, it's a work in progress, but it's better. And he has a really competitive team. I think there'll be a playoff team. I think there'll be a team that, you know, you don't want to play in the playoff. Um, so I think right now it seems like they're making better personnel decisions. Getting a guy like Tony Parker to come is uh, 
was was a sign that they could get quality free agents. Mm-hmm. You got him to leave the Spurs, so um, it, it's going in the right direction. I don't, I don't see Charlotte, you know, winning the championship tomorrow, but the product on the court is a good product. Well, that is our time with Mark Spears. Mark, we really appreciate you. Yes, yes, I'm going to yes. tell you guys out there listening, Mark comes through in the clutch every time. Yes, we appreciate you, Mark. From the Check three. his work out at theundefeated.com. Very nice site there. Thanks for joining us, Mark. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill, where we always chill. And it's time for us to chill and really get hype, I guess, with uh, college basketball talk. CL, your wheelhouse, baby! I like to think of it all as my wheelhouse. Ah, <laughs> nice. So uh, we're not going to have a show next week. Let me True. let me get that out to the listeners right now. Yes. Uh, we're going to take a break for Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and we hope you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Amen. And so uh, we're going to learn a lot more because there are some great tournaments over the Thanksgiving week uh, out in the Maui Invitational. We could have a final that that pits Duke and Gonzaga, which I, I don't keep track of Vegas odds, but I imagine they're two at the top, near the top, in terms of uh, uh, the odds to win a national title. Uh, Carolina's going to be out in Las Vegas playing in, in basically like a two-game tournament, if you will, playing Texas first, and then they'll either face Michigan State or UCLA. So uh, it'll be another another good test. And I want to say, if, if Carolina plays the way they did in the second half of that Stanford game Monday night, then there, there's <laughs> I think Roy Williams is going to blow a gasket. They're going to have problems. I think Carolina played to the score. Mm-hmm. They got up 26 in the first half, mm-hmm. and then they just coasted. The mm-hmm. second half was was pure cruise control. Mm-hmm. So um, That's not exactly new, though, is it? We've seen that. We've, I mean— We've seen that from Carolina. Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah, yeah. playing play to the score. Playing to the score. The the problem is, especially this early in the year, you're trying to build habits. You're mm-hmm. trying to, especially with the the three freshmen too that are that are well, Kobe White definitely starting, and uh, they're gonna play a large role in a rotation. Mm-hmm. So you you want to be able to. Um, teach them the right way to play and it's it's I mean they were just kind of man they were going through the motion they they played like I find I find that kind of play typical for like exam week in December mm-hmm. when you know these kids are doing a thousand other things in terms of studying and cramming and producing papers and all that stuff and they don't have as much time dedicated to basketball during that week and it, and you know you can have sloppy play like that but for this to be the, the third game of the season for this to be the first home game that Carolina had it was it was I would say disappointing to see them kind of just take the foot off uh, and and kind of coast. Now, the one caveat that I'll give to that, though, is 
there, Roy Williams is still playing a lot of different lineup combinations. Mm-hmm. This, this is going to be a deep team, and it will pay off, I feel like, near the end of the season. And so maybe some of that was the kids just kind of still getting used to each other, mm-hmm. if you want to make excuses. But you still, even if you don't, <laughs> even if you're not a hundred percent, you know, in tune with the lineup you're in, going hard that that doesn't have anything to do with with who's out there on the floor with you. Okay, well, I gotta say I like what I'm seeing from a lot of Carolina guys. Uh, I, I like the start that Luke May has had on the season in general. Uh, I like Cameron Johnson, my man Cameron Johnson. Not just saying that because he's going to be on Thunder Sports Network, but also lead scorer last night. He just looks silky smooth. If you ask me, I like what Garrison Brooks has done. He surprised me, you know, with what he's what he's doing out there, showing some authority and and Kobe White and you know, in fact, all of the the, the the first year guys, uh, I, I like what I see. I don't know. That's that's just me. I looked at it as a breakout game of sorts for Leaky Black to yes. maybe the most versatile, taking Theo Pinson's title as the most versatile player on on this team. And he's he's man, I was really impressed. I think he's going to be a problem a little bit later on. I mean, he's he's like a big six eight six nine point guard mm-hmm. and can do a lot of things. So uh, stay tuned for that. Nice. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to transition over then to the NFL, National Football League. What kinds of things are we talking about there, CL? Well, of course, Pittsburgh still a football. Let's start with that. And and the 52 to 21, was it 20? I don't remember what the score was. Pittsburgh ran off 52 points on the Carolina Panthers. (laughs) A whole lot to a little. A whole lot to a whole little. But I'll say this. Pittsburgh isn't. 30 points better than the Carolina Panthers. I feel, feel like Pittsburgh is a better team. They were that night. But but that's the problem. Thursday night football okay. in the NFL. All if right. you're not coming off of, of having an open week uh-huh. and then you go have a Thursday night game, this is all about money, man. This is all about – I think the NFL is getting a little greedy with this. I, I think that they're – there's no concern for player safety having a quick turnaround from a Sunday night game to a Thursday night game. And, and it, frankly, it does benefit the home teams, I feel like, in, in those matchups. Yeah, no, no, it definitely, you know, the home, uh, home field advantage on Thursday night on that short week is significant. I will agree with you there. I think, though, that there's a remedy because I, I do enjoy Thursday night football in general. And I think there's a remedy. Now, one thing we know that they are not going to do is they are not going to give bye weeks to the teams all the time coming into Thursday night. John Harbaugh, actually, Coach John Harbaugh of the Ravens actually said that in his press conference the other day. Uh, yet, what if they allowed games like Pittsburgh, Carolina, which is a, an interconference matchup, what if they allowed that? Because, you know, if you have two teams and it's a crucial divisional matchup, that's rough. That's rough. Wow, they, they were at home and we had no time to prepare. But in interconference, it's going to have less ramifications, at least in your immediate playoff race. What do you think about that? It's not going to have less ramifications on the body, though. And you're talking about the turnaround from Sunday to Thursday. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's almost, I feel like I've never played in the NFL, but I've run marathons. And after you run a marathon, your body needs recovery time, mm-hmm. point blank period. You can't just get back out and start running immediately after you run a marathon. Playing an NFL game is, is similar to that. And so, I mean, I, I, I just think there should be a, a bigger concern for that. I've, I feel like 
the you know ramifications in terms of the standings is is also on there but of course it's it's lesser than the physical beating that these guys are going to take okay well so you're saying eliminate Thursday night football under unless you're going to change yeah unless you're going to change how much time teams get before that Thursday then yes oh and that's never going to happen I mean there's just no way there's no way for that to happen so you're right I mean they're never going to eliminate it either so true <laughs> do, do you feel like you hear the players complaining about it like yes that? yes I mean like Richard loudly? Sherman yeah you 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 I mean, look, man, they're making a good living. This is a violent sport. All of that stuff factors in. That's that's probably why it's not as loud as it could be. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, it, it, who's who's the teams that are playing in Mexico City? The, I, I saw yeah, something where they're talking game. about the field yeah, is not up to they're par. They're concerned about the field. Yeah, and they're still going to play the game. Wait, wait and see. Like, there's going to be—they don't care about player safety in the NFL, man. Wow. That's a big playback. That's, that is a big playback. Come on. All that they're doing for the helmets? They don't care. Oh, and they've changed the game, CL. You they cannot, you can't care. hit anybody going across the middle of the field. They don't care about players. <laughs> They're just doing that. That's the that's the drastic stuff. That's okay. the stuff that you have to like pay attention to. You know what I mean? They okay. don't care, man. Okay. All right. All right. Maybe a big playback in the future, but for now, in our immediate future, is hearing from our friends that allow us to be on the air. So stay tuned though, because the brownout is coming next here on Sibling Rivalry Sports 97.9 The Hill. Just enough time to go for the brownout. The brownout. Seattle Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson has a combined six fumbles and four interceptions in their losses and overall 14 turnovers this season. Is it the start of a trend or just an anomaly? Okay, Sia, what say you about this? Russell Wilson, quarterback for the Seahawks, trend or normally? Oh, man. I'd I'd like to say it's an anomaly. I think that his his past is proven that he can make plays in clutch situations and yes he's had some some missteps but it's not like the Seahawks have a ton around him I think maybe he's just taking too much upon himself I would have to agree with you on that it's an anomaly the guy just is too (laughs) magical with the football in those waning moments it just I don't believe that it's a trend that he's going to be you know, giving up games, the pick sixes and the fumble inside the 10. I think that he'll bounce back and, and do what he does. He's way inspirational of a teammate. What's next? What are the chances North Carolina's football program lands Clemson transfer Kelly Bryant at quarterback? I'll let you go first on this one since Kelly Bryant is your boy. Kelly Bryant hopefully will be one of my boys wearing the Carolina blue. And I say yes! Carolina has a real shot at signing him. My reasoning is this. Number one, Mitch Mason. That's it. That's all, that's all I got to say. Number two, number two, Carolina's the only school, of all the schools he's considering, the only one that is definitely playing Clemson next season in home, at a home field. Number three, there are three of the other schools that are playing. Uh, there seems to be a theme of playing Alabama, beating Alabama, what have you. But I ask you, are either of those schools going to make him a better quarterback? The only one that I see is Auburn with Miles on, yet that that's not a shoe-in either. I think Carolina has a great chance. I mean, nah. 
just too much for you to believe, CL, huh? You just can't see it. I just feel like Kelly Bryant, he he clearly wants to be a number one guy wherever he, he wants to be enamored wherever he lands. And so um, I think, frankly, I think there would be competition for him here. And, and I, I don't think it's clear cut if he came to Carolina that he'd be the number one guy. So... I, I think that's what he's looking for with wherever he goes. He wants assurances because he, he thought he was number one at Clemson. He ended up getting um, uh, unseated from that, from a freshman quarterback. So I think he, he wants to clearly go somewhere. He'd be bona fide number one. So I, I don't think he's coming here. With his decision being December 4th, at least should throw that out there. He announced yeah. it's going to be December 4th. Well, look, man, I think it could be argued that at any of these other schools, there would be competition. Even Miami. I mean, Miami a couple weeks ago were very high on well, their quarterback back in That year. was my point, as you remember, when we discussed this way back when, was that you're, that's football. You're going to have competition. That's sports. You're going to have yeah. competition. But Kelly Bryant has indicated from leaving Clemson he doesn't he doesn't want competition. I don't think he'll have competition here, but hey, that's just me. Let's move on. Okay, so Thanksgiving, CL. Remember at our Thanksgiving table, our lovely and wonderful mother still to this day makes us go around the table and say what we are thankful for. So give us a Thanksgiving treat, CL. What is something, one thing that you're thankful for? As we should. I'm thankful for my mother who makes us go around the table saying what we're thankful for. How nice. That? Not the, hey, man. Hey, excellent. <laughs> excellent answer. And I would have to say, too, I'd go family with it. Thankful for my wonderful family, my wife, Jackie, my kiddos. I am so thankful for them. Of course, you can always go to chapelboro.com to hear any of the shows in their entirety. And we hope you enjoy your Thanksgiving. My name is Chris Brown. I'm C.L. Brown. And this is Sibling, Sibling Rivalry, Rivalry Sports, Sports on 97.9 The Hill.